This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. We are remembering today the resurrection of Christ so that our faith will be built up. We are reconciled to God. We receive this great treasure, the greatest of treasures, fellowship with God in Christ through Him because of His sacrifice for us. Our treasure is knowing Him. It matters today that He was raised from the dead. And our hope is a living hope because He's a living Savior. So it's a happy thing to believe these things. Recently, for the first time in the history of the United States, Gallup reported that church membership has fallen below 50%. According to their poll, which they've tracked for 80 years, American churchgoers are now in the minority in the United States. From 1937 to 1999, church membership stayed about the same, about 70%. By 2018, the number dropped to 50%, and now a poll last year shows that it's dropped to 47% of Americans. Overall, it appears, it seems, faith in the United States is dying. It's on the decline. Gallup also reported that this trend is having a devastating effect on churches. It says... A conservative estimate is that thousands of churches are closing their doors every year. Every year. And many see this and think faith is dying and churches closing is a good thing. People who are not believers. They don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. They think faith is useless. It's futile. It's vain. Some even think it's always proud, always self-righteous, always destructive. They think this poll is good. They think it's not bad news at all. It's great news. And it'll mean that people won't be wasting their, their lives. John says, verse 31, these things are written. He, we have these things. We have this story about doubting Thomas that you may Believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He is God the Son incarnate, come as man, and that by believing you may have this great gift of life now and eternally. Faith comes from hearing the Word, and, and we have John's Word. He thinks it's a good thing that our faith would be encouraged, ironically, from the story of doubting Thomas this morning. He doesn't think it's vain and useless. He, he thought unbelief was tragic. And he gave his whole life, the Apostle John, so that we might have this truth about God the Son, a man who suffered and died a horrible death on a Roman cross but was raised to life so that we might be reconciled to God. John saw something he wants us to see. He wrote this book, this gospel, so we would see this. He says it like this in John 1, verse 14, The Word, 
God the Son became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth and reality. The purpose of this gospel is that we would all join Thomas and say with genuine faith this morning, my Lord and my God. So let's take a close look at doubting Thomas and the change that happened to him when he believed. He was one of the 12 men that Jesus chose to be his disciples. Jesus lived with them for over three years. He taught them truth. He did amazing miracles. And he gave them a mission. He told them clearly, when I'm gone, here's what I want you to do. I want you to plant churches that will disciple the nations for the glory of God. They will teach the truth to the nations. And, and these men then were devastated when apparently none of it was true. They were discouraged when they saw him die this horrible, disgraceful death on a cross. They were scared. They were confused. They were discouraged. He's placed in a tomb. A stone is rolled over it. They thought it was over. They thought it was the end. Luke was a physician, a historian. We know about in the New Testament. He was companion of the Apostle Paul. Like John, he wrote a gospel. And he also wrote a second book, the book of Acts. And at the beginning of that book, you can flip over there. It's just a couple pages over in your Bible. To Acts chapter 1, in verse 1, he says, In the first book, referring to his gospel, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and talking to them, speaking to them, teaching them, continuing to teach them about the kingdom of God. And one of these times when Jesus did that, he presented himself alive to Thomas. Thomas had said he wouldn't believe unless he did. He was skeptical. He was discouraged. Jesus appeared to him and overpowered his unbelief. That's my prayer for us today, that our unbelief will be overpowered. So let's, let's consider what what about Jesus' appearance to Thomas can help us believe and not disbelieve in the 21st century? What about it? Well, number one, Thomas was an eyewitness to the resurrection. Number one, he can help us believe and not disbelieve that Jesus Christ is God the Son and believe his gospel because he's an eye, he was an eyewitness. That's what the Gospel of John says. It's his story. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection. Verse 25. The disciples came to him. We've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see his hand, in his hands the mark of the nails. Unless I put my finger in the mark of the nails. I mean, he was adamant. I will not believe. So then eight days later, Jesus doesn't come through the door. 
He just appears. And he tells them, have peace because they're terrified. Put your finger right here, Thomas. And Thomas believes. He said he would never believe. I will never believe. He was so discouraged. I will never believe. And some of you may be here today. You may be watching via the live stream. And you may have that kind of commitment to unbelief. And I trust the Lord he can overcome it. (laughs) It's important to remember that Jesus' strategy was to invest in these 12 men. That's how he was going to win the world. He was going to invest in them. He's going to teach them. He's going to do miracles. The full title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. So we go from the good news, the Gospels, to the Acts of the Apostles. He's he's trained them, and now they're going out to preach the Gospel to all the nations. Thomas is an apostle. He's a gift. We learn in the New Testament that the, the Lord gives these apostles as gifts to to the church so that we will have his eyewitness account. We'll have his word and it'll build our faith. Faith comes from hearing an eyewitness account. What do you think about the Bible? What about the gospel according to John? Do Do you think this story is true? Was Thomas really an eyewitness? You may remember the, the book and the movie, The Da Vinci Code. It's a, it was a, written in 2003. It was a mystery thriller. It isn't a history book. It's, it's, it doesn't even claim to be a historical novel. It's just a novel. It's a mystery novel. But it weaves in these historical moments Enough that it's misleading at times. It, it misleads about faith. In the book, at one point, Sophie, she's kind of a, some sort of French police person. And she's caught up in this mystery. And at one point, she exclaims to the hero, Langdon, but you told me the New Testament is based on fabrication. And he responds... It, it's very interesting. He, he responds by defining what he thinks faith is. So she says, you told me the New Testament is based on fabrication. His response is, that's the definition of faith. Acceptance of that which we imagine to be true, that which we can't prove. So, so hit the pause button at that point. Do me a favor and don't watch the movie if you haven't already seen it. I'm not here to promote the movie. But hit the pause button if you do. According to this novel, the New Testament is based on fabrication. And and faith is just accepting things that we only imagine to be true. So it's okay. We can't prove the object of our faith. So it's no problem that the New Testament is fabricated. It's almost like they're being nice to us. Since the 1800s, back when I was just a boy, (laughs) thinkers, secular 
thinkers who aren't believers have tried to reduce the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a myth. There are many stories, mythologies in the history of the world, throughout the world, that tell stories about gods that die and rise again. And they think, and they say, and they teach, Jesus is just another one of these. It's just a myth, this idea of a resurrection. And that's how they explain Christianity. They're very nice about it. Just another myth that people believe in. It's an untrue story. A lot of people just accept that. C.S. Lewis was a professor of English literature at Oxford and Cambridge and a believer. Rare combination. And he voiced, he was an English literature guy. And he, he voiced the problem with this thinking. Those who think that the New Testament is a myth just haven't read many myths. Mythic stories, he points out, very effectively, are always situated kind of once upon a time. They're not, it's not specific or historical. There are no specifics in this. The Bible's different. I want you to understand this. I want you to read that account this morning. If nothing else, no. John we, comes to us as true. It doesn't come to us as a fabrication. It doesn't come to us as a myth. That's C.S. Lewis' point. It comes to us as true. Now, you can say it's a lie, but it comes to us as true. The Bible is not written as a myth. The gospel writers tell us specific things that are verifiable. They're historic. Jesus' birth took place while Chironius was governor of Syria and Augustus the emperor of Rome. It's not a myth. Jesus' birth took place at a definite moment of history in reference to political leaders, and, and events that you can check out, you can look at. Historical Christian confessions give details. The Nicene Creed written in the 4th century says, Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Pilate was a, a Roman official whose image is stamped on coins that you can see today. If you look at sermons in the book of Acts, these guys preach and they say, Jesus was a man. He was from Nazareth. He did great things in Galilee and Judea. He was put to death. God raised him from the dead. We were witnesses to this. It's just not the way myths are written. We're talking about the resurrection. We have something that we have faith in that was not fabricated. We aren't imagining that something is true. Something that we have no evidence to support. Thomas was an eyewitness to the resurrection. He helps us believe this morning. He helps us not disbelieve. And so this morning, this text builds our faith. Even doubting Thomas builds our faith. Faith strengthens our faith. That's why John wrote it. Verse 31, so that you may believe. 
As I said, you know, it can feel like in our culture, in our world, our community, faith is dying, churches are closing, things aren't going too well. Seems like unbelief, the opponents of faith are winning the day. I want to encourage you not to be intimidated just by way of application for a brief moment. I want to encourage you with a quote from one of my cowboy heroes in the midst of a battle with his enemies, his opponents. He said, I'm almost certain they'll be overconfident in their numbers. And when the fight broke out, they were. He said to one of the bad guys, are you the one that shot my friend? And the the bad guy said, yeah, I shot his dog too and I enjoyed it. Rule number one in cowboy movies, don't shoot the man's dog. That just is never going to go well for you. Those were his last words. The good guys won and my hero got a wonderfully courageous woman. We, We are outnumbered. According to the polls, according to the polls, faith is dying. Churches are closing. Let me just encourage you this morning. Ada, thank you. You made my day. Thanks to Thomas and Joanna, their leadership and their family. But just like Thomas's testimony, this is meant to build our faith. Faith that may be dying somewhere, but it's alive on this stage this morning. Amen. And Zach, he's in VFC's 20-year-old young man. How many of you are hearing great reports about faith at the University of Tennessee these days? Well, there is some faith, and, and I'm just so thankful for those of you involved in VFC and those of you who support our campus ministry there. There is some faith there. And in, in the midst of a just very difficult year, VFC is still here. <laughs> We're still here. And so, thank you. Zach, it was just a joy. Your testimony builds our faith. I was in Arkansas last weekend at a church plant, and we were in a building of a church that had closed. One of the statistics that had closed. But you know what? There's a new church meeting in there, a church plant that I'm very excited about. I was very honored to be there, and I'm looking at this building, and it's God's provision. So, So yes, a church closed, but you know what? A new church is being planted. So don't be intimidated. I'm almost sure they'll be overconfident in their numbers. But but don't be afraid. It's amazing. One One of the main supports of the claim, the truth that Jesus was raised from the dead, is the success of the church after his resurrection. It's amazing. They had to fight against, literally, the empire. The gospel conquered the empire. So don't give up. Don't give up. Thomas encourages belief this morning because he was an eyewitness of the resurrection. Number two, another thing I would say, another way he encourages our faith, is he believed that Jesus was God the Son. He encourages our belief 
because he believed that Jesus was God the Son. So he, he says he's not going to believe in verse 25. He's doubtful. He's skeptical. He's unconvinced. The other disciples were discouraged too, by the way. Everybody was discouraged. If you go on to chapter 21, one of my favorite verses is in verse 3 of chapter 21. Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing, and they said, we will go with you. So I've used that for years as an excuse to go fishing. I don't read the rest of it where it says they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I don't like that part. So I kind of edit the New Testament at that moment. But, but really what's going on there is they're discouraged. They're going back to the fishing business. They're not going out to preach the gospel and advance the kingdom and build churches. That's their mission. This is the disciples. They're just going fishing. Because they're discouraged like Thomas. They're all discouraged. Eight days later, what, what matters with all these guys is Christ has been raised from the dead. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of changed their perspective a bit. And it should change ours today. Jesus shows up. Put your finger here. Verse 27. See my hands. And through their testimony, there's a seeing that we can do today. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Don't disbelieve. Believe. What, how did Thomas respond? He confesses his faith. In his heart he believes. With his mouth he confesses. He doesn't say our Lord and our God. He says my Lord. My God. He confesses that Jesus is God the Son. Come as a man. That's his confession of faith. The purpose of this gospel, of this text, is that you'll believe that. That he is God the Son. When, when Thomas saw Jesus, he was transformed. He had faith. He confessed his faith. And he was born again. Jesus became his Lord, his Savior, his treasure. His life is transformed he becomes no longer a discouraged man skeptic cynic he's a believer he's an apostle he gives his life to build the church so Jesus says in verse 29 have you believed because you have seen me blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed now, what's, this, what, what's the meaning of this? Is, is, is Jesus saying, Thomas, your faith is not as good as, as our faith, who haven't seen him. Your faith is not as good as those who will believe in me, but have never seen. So you're kind of a second-class faith. Is that what he means? I don't think so. Thomas saw the resurrected Christ, that wasn't a bad thing. That was a good thing. It was a necessary thing. It was an important thing. He's an eyewitness. The Lord has given us eyewitnesses. Thomas was an eyewitness, not a bad thing. 
One of the things that validates and encourages our faith is the resurrection is true. Here's what D.A. Carson says. Faith is more than believing the truth, of course. After all, the demons themselves believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But that doesn't do them any good. But although saving faith is more than believing the truth, it is never less. And that's why the Bible never urges us to believe something that is not true or something that may not be true. It's also why in the Bible, one of the crucial ways by which we strengthen faith is by articulating and defending the truth. Thomas, seeing Jesus isn't negative. He sees that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is an eyewitness and he articulates the truth. He tells the truth. He is God the Son, come as a man. We've seen his glory. And it encourages our faith to read his words in the 21st century. It's meant to do that. In verse 29, where Jesus says, Have you believed because you have seen? Don't, don't miss that. John connects this with verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. You know why? It would be too big a book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's what the Gospel of John is all about. It's a major theme you may have heard of John 3:16 God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life life in the son now eternal life forever it's a prominent theme in this gospel and John connects verse 29 and verse 31 intentionally have you believed because you have seen me what what matters there he's a believer he's a believer he believes God so loved the world that he gave his son he saw him and he believes and you know what he has eternal life Jesus is saying Thomas you're blessed and all those who haven't seen they are blessed. It's the believer that is blessed. Faith is a happy thing. Faith is a good thing. In our culture, in our world, it's often just at least insinuated. It's a bad thing. But it's a good thing in this book. It's a good thing, I hope, in this church. I hope it's a good thing this morning when you see these folks getting baptized Hear the testimonies. I hope you see. That's a good thing. Faith is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Believe this morning. Don't disbelieve. Believe this morning. And that faith, it is precious. It's fragile. It's what the whole world, it's what all your enemies are after. They're after your faith. And I just love coming together on Easter Sunday to fight back for your faith. 
I like birds. I like trees. I feed them in my backyard. I have a feeder just outside our windows. have my binoculars there, my bird books. I'm 61, man. <laughs> what else does a man do? I love the different birds in East Tennessee, and they, they kind of come through through the different seasons. It's, it's really fun. It's fascinating. And it speaks of God's creative power in my soul. But as everyone knows who likes to feed the birds, we have an enemy, don't we? You know what that enemy is. Squirrels, man. These squirrels, they like bird food. What's wrong with that picture? That food is not for you, squirrels. But these squirrels are demonic, man. They are, their commitment to get this seed is unbelievable. And they are crafty. They are amazing. You, you think, okay, we'll put it on a pole or we'll put a lid over the food. It doesn't matter. These guys, they're demonic. <laughs> they can do anything. They can chew through kryptonite. The only hope is the Yankee flipper. Look it up. I've got a Yankee flipper. It's electric. They don't like the Yankee flipper. <laughs> My point is, I do have a point, the... Bird feeders, you're going to have to stick with me on this one. Bird feeders are like people. They can have something really wonderful inside of them that enemies want to destroy. For the bird feeder, it's bird seed and squirrels. For the Christian, for the believer, it's faith. And it's the devil. It's the world. It's the flesh. It's all trying to attack your faith. And we need to leave this week here in the main point of this sermon. Believe. Don't disbelieve. Believe. And realize you're going to have a fight on your hand. Finally, Thomas' words enlighten the eyes of our heart. Thomas' words enlighten the eyes of our heart. My Lord and my God, verse 28. My Lord and my God. John Piper writes, Fundamental to Christianity is fact. Once visible, now knowable, historical fact. When Paul said that he walked by faith and not by sight, he'd already seen the risen Lord. Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? And when he described the gospel, he described it in factual, visible, historical terms. Therefore, when the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, it doesn't mean that there never were any visible evidence. Nor does it mean that there are no visible evidences today. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God today. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Romans 1, His invisible attributes. Namely, 
His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, even to this day, 21st century, in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. His invisible attributes can be seen. So when, when Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight, it doesn't mean that when Jesus appeared to Thomas, he's contradicting this somehow. He, in the book of Acts, there were signs and wonders done to confirm. We, and they would see these things. And it encouraged their faith. But, but what we have to have now, that Jesus has ascended into heaven and he's no longer appearing to people, is we need the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. Paul prayed for the, the church at Ephesus, and he prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The psalmist prayed, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. It's about the eyes of your heart. Seeing, and that's today what we need. Remember in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 1, when Peter, who was an eyewitness to the resurrection, said this, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You don't see him the way I did, Peter says, as an eyewitness, but you see him with the eyes of your heart. You believe in him. And that's why Paul prayed that you would see what? You would see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You would see what Thomas saw that made him change and made him say, my, my Lord and my God, and confess the truth. He is risen. He is alive. He is the Savior. He is Lord. He is God. It is the truth. Thomas saw it physically, and he saw it with the eyes of his heart. He believed and this morning, through this word, faith is meant to come. John has given it to us so that we might believe, so that we might see with the eyes of our heart this morning and confess the truth. He is Lord and He is God. My prayer today is that you'll believe and you won't disbelieve the good news. For every member of the church, this week, as you go into this week, just realize your faith is under attack. Everything about this life comes against us. Everything about this life that is unredeemed comes against us. Thankful for those around you who encourage your faith, but we're in a war for our faith, aren't we? 
There's so many things to discourage our faith. And my prayer this week is that through this word, through the eyewitness testimony of doubting Thomas this week, you'll believe and not disbelieve. And I've been especially praying for you if you are not a believer. And I invite you to come to Christ. He is God the Son who came as a man and lived a perfect life. He, he was killed. He died a disgraceful death on a cross. A Roman cross. Crucified. For sins. The wrath of God was poured out on him for all the sins of those who would trust in him for their salvation. And then he was raised from the dead. It was the great vindication. He was an innocent man. He never one time sinned. He didn't die for his own sins. He was no criminal. He died for my sins. He died for your sins if you're a believer. So we offer you the gospel. I try to do that every Sunday. I hope we do that every Sunday. But certainly on this Easter Sunday, we offer you the gospel. Come to Christ. May the Lord illuminate the eyes of your heart and may you see this morning the truth of doubting Thomas' confession. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Build our faith, Lord. Our faith is under attack these days. But greater is the one that lives in us than the one that is in the world. So, Lord, I pray that, that our faith would prosper. Father, we do not fear, for you are with us. So we refuse to be afraid, and we trust you in the midst of days when faith seems to be dying, Lord. We trust you to build our faith. And make us strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.